Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, David Mathis, on spiritual habits which bring us closer to God. Reading the Bible is a lifelong pursuit. Nobody masters it in a year or 10 or 20. God gave us a book that we can linger over, Mm -hmm. meditate on, learn from, feed on for a lifetime. David Mathis, next. There are certain habits, David Mathis says, put believers in the path of God's grace and as such bring us into a closer relationship with Him. David's written about them in his book, Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. David Mathis is senior teacher and executive editor at Desiring God. David, recently on His People, we discussed a LifeWay research survey into quiet time habits of Christians. First, introduce us to these habits, and then why they're important in the Christian life. Larger than the quiet time, and we can come back to that and focus that on yeah. focus on that as a subset of mm-hmm. the, the larger framework of spiritual disciplines, variously called, or habits of grace. The Puritans use the term means of grace, mm-hmm. which I love, but really gets at the meaning of the spiritual practices more so than I think spiritual disciplines. We can talk about that further. Uh, But in particular, uh, God has revealed his ways that he means to provide ongoing strength and formation and shaping and grace and power in the Christian life. He's made very plain that he does that through our hearing his voice and his word, through our having his ear in prayer. And then in a third, often forgotten dimension of the habits of grace, is our belonging to his body, the body of his son, Christ's body, in the fellowship of the local church. So word, prayer, church, or fellowship. And one thing that's helpful to me in trying to put them into those three categories is uh, I often, growing up, I would hear long lists, you could hear 12 to 15 spiritual disciplines that it seemed like it would be wise to be practicing. And uh I could get lost in the long list. Like, mm. am I doing enough? Am I checking all the boxes? Do I have all the spiritual disciplines going? I'm juggling some balls, got three things going, but I'm aware of eight different things I'm not doing. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is find out uh, in the principles of the Christian life, what are the main things God would have us do that would bring about a matrix of his ongoing grace and favor and power for the Christian life? And when you boil it down again and again, it comes back to word, to prayer, to fellowship. You prefer, as the title of the book is, to view them as habits of grace uh, rather than spiritual disciplines, even though they are, we, we will be talking about spiritual disciplines, but you prefer the emphasis to be on, on grace rather than on the discipline. Yeah, I think it's spiritual discipline is a relatively new term and really coming into common usage in the late 70s, throughout the 80s. So Richard Foster's book, Spirit of the Disciplines, I think that's the Willard title. Richard Foster's was The Celebration of Discipline. And that started a kind of new movement on a fresh emphasis on these things, which has brought about in some ways a lot of good. Mm -hmm. However, as thinking through being a child of the 80s and what the emphasis was as it was handed out to me, spiritual, I often didn't see that. I didn't hear that with a capital S. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I usually heard about, you know, my spirituality, my pursuit. And then discipline really does have an accent on me. Now, let me just say. Uh, in the habits of grace, we are involved, we participate, we are engaged. These are not passive aspects of the Christian life. And yet, it doesn't begin with us. And the energy and focus doesn't center on us. 
which is why when I heard from Jai Packer that the Puritans used to call these the means of grace, I was like, oh, that's good. That's that helps me so much because to put the emphasis on God's grace, God is the initiator. God is the provider. He's the one that gives power, who gives strength for the Christian life, and he has his appointed means. And so a, a great illustration of, of the means, of positioning ourselves along the path mm-hmm. where God has said he's going to come is the story of Zacchaeus. <laughs> yeah. Saying growing up, but the wee little man up in the tree. Mm-hmm. And when Zacchaeus wanted to encounter Jesus, he didn't go walking in the wilderness. Like, oh, maybe I'll bump into Jesus just randomly. He heard where Jesus would be passing. And so he positioned himself along the path where Jesus was coming. And the story that comes immediately with that in the Gospel of Luke is a story of blind Bartimaeus. Same thing. He's blind. He wants, Son of God, have mercy on me. And he doesn't just go around randomly hoping, hoping he might encounter Jesus somewhere unexpected. But he comes to the path where Jesus will be passing, and he says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So in God's means of grace, he has revealed to us time and again from beginning to end that he strengthens his people by his word, and, ha- and in his stooping to open his ear and hear from us in prayer and in gathering his people together in the body so that we would be means of grace to each other. And so we do well in the Christian life for our health, our joy, our healing, our strength to position ourselves along those paths, those means that we might be ongoing receivers of his grace. And whether it's, well, particularly scripture and prayer, those two, uh, obviously the corporate aspect is just that, it's in community, it's with other people, but prayer and scripture, it th- they have both of those aspects, the, the private aspect and the corporate. Is that fair to say that, that you are reading the scripture by yourself, you're praying by yourself between you and the Lord, and you're communing with him in that sense, but, but there's also the corporate aspect of hearing God's word preached and of uh, corporate prayer as well, or just praying right. with another person. You might, you might want to think of it as a three-dimensional object, mm-hmm. height, width, length, or a triangle, where it's got three aspects, and all of them are involved at the same time. You know? So, uh, for instance, what we do when we gather as a corporate body for God's blessing isn't just talking about sports and news and politics, but but we hear together God's word spoken, or we speak it to each other. We've gathered to pray together, which is one reason why corporate worship is such an important event in the Christian life. So I talk about it, the single most important discipline of your week at the weekly level of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. The single most important habit is corporate worship because it combines the sitting under receiving, the preaching or reading or paraphrasing or talking of God's word. And then with a posture of prayer where the people come to God in prayer, and we do all that together, praying that the Holy Spirit would brood on the gathering, be there with his people. So corporate worship combines word, fellowship, and prayer. And then daily, you know, we, we may not have access to do a, a daily gathering of the whole body of Christ. However, one thing we can do to start our days is to combine two of those aspects you know, in our own private disciplines yep. to bring together hearing from God and his word and responding to him in prayer. And I hope thinking through those as means of his grace, not mainly disciplines that we are doing in our energy, you know, left to our own to establish habits and patterns. Like we're going to start doing exercise, reading better and reading our Bible more is just one of those things to oblige ourselves to. Rather, these are opportunities. God is pouring out his grace through his word. So we come with a posture of 
reception. We come with a posture of this is an opportunity, not an obligation mainly, and work those things into our lives. Just as, as we would come to a meal, <laughs> I'm yeah. coming to receive, I'm coming to eat. I want to be here. I want to have this food that we would come to the Bible in the morning to feed our souls, to feed on the banquet that God would lay before us in his word by his prophets and apostles. Well, my guest today on His People is uh, Mr. David Mathis, and he is senior teacher and executive editor at DesiringGod.org, and he's also a pastor at Cities Church, uh, and we're talking about his book, Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. I, I'm thinking of the, uh, well, for starters, the, the busy person, maybe the person that has young children uh, in the house, or, or perhaps someone at the same time uh, is working long hours and has many obligations. Uh, and, and and they might feel like I I don't really have a lot of discretionary time. Uh, obviously, this 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 question comes up a lot. But how, but you in your book you do talk about starting such habits, developing such habits that in, in a realistic way. And I'm wondering what what would you suggest for that um, that uh, person? We're just sort of imagining them right now with that very busy, very committed person, but yet wants to partake of and be involved with the habits of grace. I do want to, I say there again and again, and, and want it, what one of the designs in focusing on these three main principles is hopefully it helps people in different season, different seasons of life. So mm-hmm. I, I myself have sought to walk with the Lord as a single man and then as a newlywed. And then my wife and I were married three years till we had twin boys. And mm-hmm. it feels like it's been crazy for the last 12 years. But our youngest now is almost six. And life is in a different season now that we have four kids that are in five-day school. So life's in a different season now. Life comes through seasons. Mm-hmm. And we want to uh, have those access to God's ongoing mean play out in those different seasons. Now, I might approach, if somebody's asking that question, I might approach it from two different angles. One is, uh, would be something more more provocative or in their face in terms of like, you don't have time for the living God. Like He made you. Like What yeah. are you bothering with in your work, in your family, in your hobbies, whatever else in your life are you wasting it on if you don't have time for the living God? So that would be one approach. Yes. Uh, and, and some people may need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Others might be in a season where they have small children in the house. So it, it, it's not like they're filling up their lives with all this discretionary time and then saying, oh, woe is me. I have so little time. I'm so busy but they're in a particular season. Mm -hmm. And so a a few things I would speak into that season. Uh, One is the possibility of beginning our day with the voice of God. Mm -hmm. So even though it may very well be that the amount of Bible words that you're intaking into your eyes through reading or your ears through listening, that the amount of Bible, amount of God's voice can't stack up with all the other words coming into your life at work, with the kids, wherever you're going, the prioritizing and the quality of the time goes a long way. It says a lot about us, what we do first. And so the opportunity of beginning the day, turning first to God, even if it's an abbreviated season, let's say it's 20 minutes or half an hour to start there, to go there first and set the trajectory there, set our mind there first so that when we encounter the rest of our lives, it's within the framework of having heard first from the living God. That makes all the difference compared to I'm letting the world set my frame and I might encounter God for 10 minutes later on. I mean, that, that is a sea change of difference in somebody's life. And so even if time is thin, there's the opportunity for various ways of prioritizing 
and in doing so at the moments when we have our best energy and focus. And in general, that's in the morning. If you've had a mm-hmm. half decent night, night's sleep, you're going to have some of your best energy for the day, some of your best ability to focus when it's earlier in the day like that. So that'd be one thing to say is in an abbreviated, abbreviated period of time, for you to be working systematically through parts of the Bible in chunks that are realistic in your life, and then let those add up over time. I think sometimes people can come to the perspective, you know, that we do this with New Year's resolutions. We think about what I haven't done in the last year, and now I'm going to make up for it all with one month of over the top, you know, yeah. whatever the, <laughs> right. the resolve is. And I, I would I would say to people, the reading the Bible is a lifelong pursuit. Nobody masters it in a year or 10 or 20. God gave us a book that we can linger over, Mm -hmm. meditate on, learn from, feed on for a lifetime. And just as you can't today eat the food that you need to sustain you for the rest of your life, you just need to eat today's food. We do that with with, with, with our Bible reading. So come to the word in, I love going to Exodus 16, the story of the manna, Mm-hmm. where Moses instructs them, gather a day's portion. Gather a day's portion. That may be the word that someone needs in that season is the direction to gather a day's portion. We're not talking about hours. We're not talking about developing your whole theology in a week, but come to God's word expectantly, asking for his revelation, the help of his Holy Spirit. It might be that you feel totally dry, but if you spent 10 to 15 minutes or 20 minutes reading God's word, letting that shape your life, even if your heart's not a flutter, and it's Mm. not the most wonderful, warm spiritual moment you've ever had, just the fact that you would continue in the pursuit and come back to it the next day will form and shape your soul for the day and week after week. And so I'd encourage small chunks and faithfulness over time and not biting off too much all in a moment. And how does prayer fit in there? Obviously, those two go together in terms of that that kind of uh, private uh, communing with God. That's right. And, but there's a particular order. So uh, he's God. We're creature. <laughs> he speaks first. We listen first. Yeah. And then amazing that he stoops and wants to hear from us. I mean, it is, it's a, a, an amazing thing that the living God speaks. And then all the more that having spoken, he wants to hear us. He wants us to speak. So this is a very relational thing mm-hmm. uh, to come to his word that we first and foremost want to hear from him and then respond to him in prayer based on what we hear him saying by his spirit in his word. So just very practically how I go about it, I typically begin uh, my time over the Bible in the morning with a, with a small prayer saying, God, help me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to pretend I can just do this. God, would you open your word to me? Would you stir my heart? Give me eyes for the truth. Show me Jesus. Mm-hmm. Show me some aspect of your goodness here. Just a very brief prayer for help. And then I'll spend the next, I've been doing this for years. I easily can read 45, 50 minutes, an hour and lose track of time. It may be 15 minutes for somebody else or 20 minutes for somebody else. It builds up over time. Mm -hmm. But very easily focus on reading his word for a season where the focus is on hearing from him through his word. Now, I want to intersperse that time with prayers and come across a verse and I'm just banging my head against, God, help me, give me grace here. But in general, I want to move from that initial prayer into a time of hearing from him in his word, moving through a Bible reading plan, and then pivot to, uh, well, I guess not pivot to other things, to some prayer list, but to in light of what I have read and have 
he has said through his word by his spirit, I want to pray that back. So work through praying for my wife and my kids and our church and my job and Mm -hmm. our neighbors and the world and missions. Work through praying through those fears in light of the particular truths he has revealed in the text I've been lingering in that day. Hmm. Are these habits, uh, what you've just discussed here, are they often um, talked about, discussed in church, or are they kind of assumed that people know them? I mean, are these the, uh, perhaps this will be new to some people. It may very well be. You know, I, I, uh, I don't have a great sense of the, the whole lay of the land. I, my guess is as varied and complex and fragmented society continues to yeah. be with all our different media and influence channels and all that, that there are probably some places where uh, this is almost like beating a dead horse. I mean, it's been ac- accented so often, and, and maybe the pastor has fallen into a rut where it's almost the application of every sermon, like read your Bible more and pray more. Mm. Uh, or there can be other places where with the fear of legalism attached in some circles right. to any talk of discipline in the past, yeah. there is there is almost no no pressure toward the individual action at all or suggestions about what Christians might do to better thrive in the faith. So whether you're hearing this for the first time or if it's an old hat, I, I do think here's a, ch- a challenge for pastors is – Uh, We should think of ways where we can accent these truths and the principles without just going back into the same rut of read your Bible more, read your Bible more. Mm -hmm. Are there ways as we're preaching that we can pause and linger over the marvel that God speaks? Why would we not avail ourselves of his word daily and in our families and in our and in Sunday gathering, and you know wh- what an amazing thing it is here. We're so used to the sermon. We assume the sermon, the sermon happens. This is the part where we stay quiet. We sit here. We are doing this because the living God has spoken, and we want to hear him with the help of his Holy Spirit as the pastor tries his level best to present God's word. So if we can press for fresh ways to help encourage our people to that matrix of grace that we've been talking about, about word, about prayer, about fellowship, and these not in an obligatory way, mm-hmm. but with the feel of opportunity, of invitation, of grace for the Christian life. You make a point in your book, Habits of Grace, David, that um, and, and perhaps people might not typically think of it, think of the habits of grace like this, but they are actually, uh, you say, loving, a loving thing to do for other people. In other words, spending time with God in that way affects all of our relationships, whether it be at home or out in culture, it, it empowers Absolutely. us to, to, for service. That's right. I mean, both in terms of our own joy, contentment, stability yeah. of soul, so that we can live in the normal acts of life and be self-sacrificial as a father and as a husband um, without joy to stand on. You're not going to be self-sacrificial. <laughs> Selfishness comes from an empty soul, but a full soul is so ready to share its joy by being self-sacrificial. And then also, it may give us something to say, too. So uh, by filling our own souls in God's Word and in relationship with Him by prayer and the context of His body, uh, we're both more stable to do what we're called to do to help others, but then also might give us something to say. Uh, to not only serve others with acts of love, but also words of love. To take, this is an amazing thing how words work, that we put some air out and we shape it with our mouth and tongue and vocal cords and all that, and it goes through the air. And then these people, everybody, we have these holes in the side of our head, and it goes down in the holes. (laughs) And so you can take joy 
that's in your own heart Mm -hmm. and put it out in the air and have it go in someone else's ear and by the Holy Spirit go down into their soul. You can share joy, share contentment, share stability, share hope in a world that struggles more and more to have hope. And so uh, indeed, uh, in being faithful to God, in by securing our own oxygen mask, (laughs) the illustration on the plane, we're able to stay alive spiritually to be able to help others and help secure their oxygen masks. I'm wondering, in terms of Scripture, you talked about reading Scripture, maybe having a, a Bible reading plan, but there's also the, and this may sound a little bit daunting to some, uh, the ideas of memorizing Scripture or, or meditating. I think you talked about that a bit and how that can kind of trigger uh, prayer, responding to what we've read. But what about uh, memorization? I, I'm going to guess that that's probably not something a lot of people do. How uh, can people practically kind of grab onto that? I would, my main recommendation related to memorization would be to pair it with meditation. Mm. So you get, you get two M-ation words, memorization, meditation. Okay. And meditation is a kind of lost art these days. I mean, it, it it's uh, often when we hear meditation in society or cultural, we're thinking Eastern meditation, of empty the mind and repeat yeah. the mantra. And, yeah. but, but that's not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is the opposite. It's fill the mind with God's revealed truth and linger over it. Just seek to move what you're understanding in your mind down into the heart so that you begin to feel the significance of the truth to linger over it. So in one sense, whenever you have a biblical text in front of you and you slow down from normal reading speed to meditate on the text, you are engaging a memory function without even thinking about it. There's a kind of shaping that goes on as you linger over that over those words and seek to to feel their meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, that memory function both shapes you, it lodges in, and with a little bit of extra work beyond meditation, we can shore up that uh, shore up that that memory function. I mean, it it may be helpful. Some students of life, folks will memorize short biblical books uh, beginning to end. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on everybody. The way I would encourage maybe most Christians is when you come across a text that God gives you some particularly sweet glimpse of himself in his son, in that text. It could be a single verse, could be part of a verse that you take it with you, seek to take it with you, write on a little piece of paper, put on your phone, give yourself some reminder. It Mm -hmm. could be a biblical paragraph where you say, this is so sweet. I need to put this to memory over the next month. So I, I am not, so personally, I'm not the most aggressive in trying to memorize large swaths of the Bible. I don't typically push that on on others in terms of memorizing large swaths, Mm -hmm. though I am in awe and love when people do. But in particular, thinking how the memorizing of Scripture can work with meditation to feed your own soul in that afternoon, the next day, the next week. Obviously, we're we're almost exclusively talking to adults here, but what about parents? Should these be things that they're trying to... In some, you know, in some way, in, in an introductory way, uh, communicate them to their kids? Absolutely. I think we want to draw as naturally as we can, as early as we can, draw our children into these things with us. So in, in one sense, uh, the commitment to the local body of Christ to be there Sunday after Sunday, I mean, we are putting that in place 
before our children even have memories. So that, 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 that's one important aspect is the fellowship aspect, as well as for some of us hosting small groups in our home or attending those, whatever the, the various manifestations of church life would be by doing those early on. I mean, we're teaching our children. I, I, my wife and I wrestle with this when we're gone with in-laws when there are sports events that are uh, that are conflicting with Wednesday nights, like mm-hmm. how much, when are we, what lessons are we teaching? I'm going to wrestle very carefully with that and what we're doing. And in terms of drawing in the kids, I mean, uh, my wife and I found it very helpful that from before time, the kids can even remember, we had some storybook Bibles. So the Jesus storybook Bible back in those years is really helpful. There's an amazing new one now by Kevin DeYoung. It's, mm. I think it's, it's the best one I've seen. I think it pub- published just last year with Crossway. What's it called? Maybe Big Picture Story Bible or something like that. But the author is Kevin DeYoung. Fantastic story Bible. And the images are neon, beautiful. I mean, the kids just come alive mm. when they see them. And he's very faithful with summarizing Bible stories in a short amount of space. And I'm loving using that right now with our five-year-old and our eight-year-old. And then as the kids get older, to be able to draw them in, they can have their own copy of the Bible to be able to read that some. I mean, I, you know, I, we, we take our different, we have our different leanings as parents, you know, how much more forceful are we? How much space do we give and hope to cultivate desire from the heart? Uh, these are difficult things to walk through based on different children, based on our relationship with our spouse and kind of work through those things. As the boys have gotten older, we've given them their own copy of the word. And then, of course, a, a kind of family devotion time is a great way to draw them in. And one thing that, that we accent in our family, we love Advent. You know, mm. Get the decorations out after Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and, and all that and try to make the Christmas season a special season. And one, one thing we found out in that is with a particular focus for a season, uh, it's easy to keep going back to it. Lent is still in the future. Holy Week's in the future. Yeah. Holy Week would be a great time to do a focus or even to, to bite off sections where you're having, taking a particular focus for a short season. Mm. And instead of saying, we're going to do this every night at this time, world without end, to say, all right, for the next week, uh, we're going to do this study. We're working through this topic. We're working through these verses. And I think with a, with a particular study, you can take one at a time. And that will help uh, over the long haul as you make adjustments in those various seasons of family life. Well, David Mathis is my guest today, and his book is Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. And uh, David, you raise this at the end of your book, and it's it's something that happens to everybody. Those crazy days, the days when things obviously don't go according to plan. You may have this this particular plan, as, as we've talked about, for for scripture reading and prayer and what have you, and yet uh, uh, those things can be derailed by uh, so many different ways that you talk about staying up too late or you have relatives over or you're out of town or whatever the case is. What what, what advice would you have uh, on those crazy days where your 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 routine that you've you've maybe you you come to count on is uh, thrown out the window? Uh, my main counsel there would be: it can be something mm-hmm. you can find something to seek to feed your soul, to have to pause and reconsecrate yourself to the living God through Jesus Christ for that day. You know, and to say, Father in heaven, the uh, the family's here. I want to come before you, ask for your help, for your grace. I want to live to your glory. Uh, I don't want to live in my own strength. And there's a, a chance there also to listen to something. That you could read a short text. Uh, you could try to ask for some food for yourself from that short text. And an amazing thing for many of us is 
You know, we, we have these devices, we have these plugs we put in our ears, and there may be the chance to, to listen something for a few minutes. Maybe you're driving a car and you could listen. Now, I would want to uh, accent that for all of us, crazy day or not, uh, that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And so whether you're listening to pure, undiluted scripture itself, which can be a beautiful thing, or listening to Christian radio, or listening to a Christian podcast, mm-hmm. where there is faithful content, where uh, it's almost like a, a, a bringing together of God's Word as a means of grace with fellowship, because fellow believers are talking about what they know and love and appreciate about Jesus Christ and truth and the Bible, and you can overhear that. You can be strengthened and helped by that. And so I do want to open up for folks the thought that reading a devotional, listening to Christian content can also be great ways to stir and strengthen our souls in those ups and downs and nooks and crannies of life. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, David Mathis, senior teacher and executive editor at Desiring God. His book is Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Paul A.C. on combating the social media selfie culture. Selfies themselves are not bad. You don't have to feel bad if you've taken a selfie of yourself, because I have to. Uh, but it can lead us away from the things that we should be focusing on. They always look outside yourself, always look to others that might need help, uh, and, and not look at so much at ourselves, because our culture, our culture encourages us to look at ourselves, and that's not what God tells us to do. That's tomorrow at this same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.